By the time we come to John 20, he has been betrayed and he has been abandoned and he has been mocked and he has been beaten. They have tied him to the whipping post of Rome and with the cat of nine tails have scourged our Lord and his body is beaten so badly he is unrecognizable. And they place the cross upon him and he carries it up the hill and he is stretched wide and hung high and delivered to Pilate and crucified at a place called Golgotha on Calvary's hill. The Roman soldiers passed by and mocked him. They said, if this were the Christ, let him save himself. His disciples, minus John, are not to be found. They are running for their lives, afraid of the aftermath and the threat of the Roman guards and the Jewish leaders. And he dies. He says seven things from the cross hanging there on the side of Jerusalem, he looks up into heaven and says, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. And the Bible says he drew one last breath, gave up the ghost, and he put his hands in the hands of God, and there Jesus died. John chapter 20, this is the story of when they come to the tomb that they had placed him in. He is not there, and the angel said to those who came to the tomb that day, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is alive forevermore. And there is panic and yet excitement because the Roman soldiers are nervous that word will get out that this man that they killed three days earlier is now alive. Not only is Rome nervous, but the disciples are afraid, confused, and a little excited trying to find out what happened to the body. They go into the tomb, and when they go in, you know this story. The Bible says that Peter and John ran because they heard the testimony of Mary, Mary out of whom came seven devils when Jesus delivered her. She runs back to the house of the disciples and she says to the disciples, the apostles in waiting, she says, the Lord is no longer there. And they grab their coat and run out of the house all the way to the tomb. John, being the younger, outruns Peter to the tomb. They get to the tomb, and although John is faster because he's younger, he is also a man of honor, so he waits for the older generation to catch up to him, and he allows Peter to come into the temple first. And there, according to John's gospel, on one end of the place where Jesus lay was a napkin folded and head cloths where his head were laying, and the Bible says that they ran out and began to tell the story. After they leave the tomb, Mary walks into the tomb. When Mary walks into the tomb, she sees an angel at one end of the place where Jesus' feet were and another at the other where his head were laying. It is a picture of the Old Testament mercy seat. God, help me preach today. For there between the angels in Exodus 26, there on top of the mercy seat, the blood of the lamb would be applied. And the Bible said in Exodus 30 that there between the angels on the 
mercy seat of the Old Testament, uh, of the Old Testament uh, Ark of the Covenant, the angels would, the, the presence of God would come down on top of that mercy seat where the blood of the Lamb was, and there God could meet with his people. Fast forward to John 20, it is no longer an Old Testament Lamb that had been slain, but it was the Lamb of God whose blood touched the mercy seat of heaven. And when Mary walked in, in John chapter 20, the lamb was no longer dead. The lamb was alive. The blood had been applied. And the angels were there saying to Mary, it is finished. The price has been paid in full. Sins have been forgiven. Sins have been atoned for. The curse has been broken. Jesus is alive. Somebody praise him if you believe he's still alive this morning. That's not what I come to preach. Because what is powerful about this text is that after Jesus rises from the dead, he doesn't go hiding. In fact, Acts chapter 1 said, for 40 days he made himself known by many infallible proofs. And this is what God began to speak to me this past week. I just didn't know he was going to ask me to preach it. God began to say to me, I was reading through John chapter 20 again, and I got to verse 20, and Jesus said to me, the Spirit of God began to speak to me, and he said, Kevin, 2020, John 2020, he said, I want you to tell my people this is the year I'm revealing myself to them. Oh, God, help me today, Lord. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you all these wonderful things that's going to happen. And I believe wonderful things are going to happen in your life. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want a new house and not a fresh revelation of Jesus. I don't want more money and not go deeper in my knowledge of him. I don't want a nicer watch or a bigger car and not know who Jesus is. I feel like those Gentiles who came up at the, at the feast of, of, of unleavened bread and they said, sir, that we might see Jesus. America needs to see Jesus. Washington, D.C. needs to see Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, the church needs to see Jesus. Saints need to see him. We need a fresh revelation of our Lord. If you want it in 2020, somebody give him praise in this room. Oh, God, tear the veil off my eyes. Let me see you high and lifted up. Let me see your train fill the temple. I don't just want to come to church. I need the God of all glory to come into my life and show me who he is. And here he comes, fresh out of a tomb. No gray clothes on him. The stench of death had been removed by the glory of God. And here he comes. Where does he go? Looking for his people. Where are they? They're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they're terrified. What are they scared of? They're scared of retaliation and retribution. And they know that the people who killed Jesus might be coming for them. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, if they'll just hang on, they're about to see that the one who killed Jesus, although they may take their life, they'll never kill him because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Some of you got to get a revelation in 2020. It'll set you free from the fear of death. You can't kill somebody who's already dead. Here comes Jesus. Disciples are hiding behind the walls. They're in a room, terrified and afraid. And what does he do? He walks through the wall. Why does he come through the wall? Because they've closed and locked the door. And isn't it, I mentioned this last Sunday, but let me say it again. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we try to isolate ourselves? and insulate ourselves from the very thing we are afraid of. And sometimes insulating ourselves from the thing we're afraid of causes us to put things between Christ and us. There are people who've insulated themselves from church because they've been hurt in church before. Y'all not helping nobody today. There are people who insulate themselves from being friendly and connected because they've been hurt in relationships before. Whatever causes you to be afraid and draw back and hide, I came to tell you today, 2020 is a year. God is going to ignore the fact that you shut the door. He's walking through the wall because he's got a revelation for you and he wants to show you his glory. He comes through the wall and there they are standing. This is what the text says. He stood up to them and said, before them and said, peace be to you. When, when God says peace, it's not just this idea of the absence of turbulence. In fact, the Old Testament word for peace is the, is the Hebrew word shalom. It doesn't just mean your bills are paid. It doesn't just mean you don't have a care. It means every part of your life is experiencing the wholeness of God. I've come to tell you that when Christ comes into your life, he's not coming with a list of all your bad stuff and all of your failures and all the stuff that you messed up three years ago, three months ago, three days ago, or on your way to church this morning. Jesus doesn't walk through the wall to remind you how pitiful your performance has been. Jesus came and said, I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're wrestling with. I know what's coming against you. What's coming against you is really an indication that hell is tormented and terrified that if you ever come into a revelation of who you are now that I am alive you will be the devil's worst nightmare and Satan is trying to torment you so that you don't get a chance to torment him but I came to tell somebody 2020 is the year that you stop running in fear and instead of you you better stop because I will preach on this Sunday God is about to give somebody a breakthrough from the spirit of fear. You are not going to be hiding out in this house worried about what the devil going to do to you and your family. It's time for the devil to wake up nervous every morning. Greater is he that is in you. Ah, ah. Slap somebody, tell a neighbor what are you stressed about? What are you worried about? What are you afraid of? There is a lion of the tribe of Judah that is getting ready to roar in your life and hell has to get ready to leave. Oh, somebody give God praise on Sunday morning. 
That's not what I came to preach about. He came in and said, peace, shalom, wholeness, strength be to you. In one moment, the atmosphere shifted. In one moment, the atmosphere turned. Because when he walks into the room, whatever's been terrorizing you gets a notice. And it's not empowered or allowed to stay in your life and terrorize you anymore. See, these men are getting ready to turn the world upside down without a satellite, without a TV, without a social media platform, without Instagram or Twitter. They're getting ready to walk into the world and turn it upside down. And he can't have a bunch of nervous, scared apostles running for their life, afraid of the devil and afraid of Rome. He wants them to know the devil should have killed you while he had a chance because now that I got in this room, every chain on you is getting ready to fall off. Now that I got in this room, everything that's been tormenting you is getting ready to turn around. I want to tell you this morning, if you've been going through hell, it's not an indication God's not with you. It's a reminder that the devil is nervous about you walking in your authority. And if you've been fighting something, I come to tell you, God is about to walk into the ring and fight your enemy. Somebody give him pride. He walks into the room. Lord have mercy. And when he comes into the room, he says, peace. And I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for the peace he pronounces and blesses them with. But the next thing he did freaked me out. No, for real. Imagine this. Jesus walks into the room and says, peace be unto you. And then he says, let me show you something. What are you going to show us, Lord? What are you going to show us? I'm going to show you my scars. The first thing I need to make a, a stop real quick and tell you is that if we're going to have real ministry, we got to have authentic ministry. You can't just show them your trophies. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, this is why we got confused people sitting in our church pews. It's because we prance across the stage and show everybody the trophy. We show everybody the victory. We show everybody... The belt, you know the belt. Y'all come on in here, WWE, you know the belt. The where I'm the champion, I overcame. We show everybody the crown, but we don't show people our scars. But Jesus isn't just trying to impress them by showing them his great victories. He shows how weird, y'all better be real, don't act all funny because it's Jesus. How weird would it feel if he said, y'all, watch this, let me show you something. Y'all, have you ever been in a room with somebody and it get weird because somebody's like, I just had surgery, let me show you my scar? You're like, hold on. It ain't, we ain't in that kind of relationship, come on. Exactly where is this scar? <laughs> We're not in that kind. Why? Because scars represent where pain used to be. And when he 
was showing them his scars, he was making several statements to them. Number one, I want you to know that if we're going to be in this relationship together, we got to be authentic and real. And I got to show you that even though I am the Son of God and every knee shall bow, every tongue confess and everyone can and declare that I am Lord, even though that's true, even though my name is above every other name, I got to let you know, brothers, that I've been through some stuff. And I felt like what God told me this past week as I was reading John 2020 is that this is the year of victory because as this year begins, God's not just going to show you all of the victories that he's won. He's willing to reveal some scars to us. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Why? Because scars show us not only where pain was, but scars show us what healing and restoration can really look like. I don't need somebody who's never been through some hell. I need somebody that was in hell's kitchen and it looked like the devil was about to burn the whole house down. And instead of dying in the kitchen, you walked out and said, look what the Lord has done. Somebody in this room needs to thank God for the scars. I'm almost through with my sermon. Had there not been any scars, those disciples would have faced every trouble. They would have walked through every storm. They would have walked through every trial. And they would have allowed the enemy to tell them, you ain't going to make it through this. But when God walked in and said, look what God did in my life. This is where they tried to hang me. This is where they tried to stab me to death. But I'm still alive. I feel a breakthrough in my soul this morning. God needs me to tell somebody that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and he got scars to prove it is a reminder against the devil that no weapon formed against you. Slap somebody, tell them, look at the scars. I feel something happening over here. How many in here got some scars? I want you to look at your neighbors around you right now. The fact that they got some, you want to see some scars? Let me take you to lunch. I'll tell you how they lie on you. I'll tell you how they talk about you. I'll tell you how they tried to take your joy. I'll tell you about the time my baby almost died. I'll tell you about the hell we had to walk through in the middle of the night, but I'm still here. And although I got some scars, ooh, I'm a living witness that if God brought me through, he'll sustain you and bring you through too. Somebody holler, thank you, Lord. There's a blessing. There's a blessing. There's a blessing in the scars. Some of us thought that our misery, our misery and the pain was the very thing that would take us out. But it was the misery that you survived that makes your hell's worst nightmare. 
because anybody that's got some scars and is still here is a threat to the devil. Every time the devil whispers to somebody they're not going to make it, God will raise up somebody who went through the same thing and they still got to dance and they still got a hallelujah. I wonder, does anybody still got to praise? I better get up here and behave, but does anybody still got to praise in this house? I got good news for you. You can have scars and still shout hallelujah. You can have scars and still dance before the Lord. He didn't show them his crown. He didn't show them all the victories and trophies. He revealed some scars. And I'm closing with this because, don't close, okay. I was going to, y'all are my witness. He told me not to. So, so if I carry on a little longer, and I'm just kidding. Watch this. He could have shown them his trophies, his crown, his championship belt, but he showed them where the pain used to be. And he said to them, if I can make it through Calvary, if I can overcome death, if I can slap demons right in the jaw and conquer the cross and overcome the tomb and slip through the hands of Rome and come out on Easter, kick the end out of the tomb, walk out with some keys and say, I'm still Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. If I can do that, I just need to thank God for the scars this morning. Because some of us want to hide the scars. But scars are a reminder, not just of the place of pain, but of the victory that was won. For I am the God of victory, not of defeat. And the Spirit of grace says to this house today that the one who raised Jesus from the dead is at work and alive in your life today. Do not be afraid. Fear not, says the Lord. Be strong and of good courage, for I will bring you through, says the Spirit of grace. I am the God of victory. I am the God of victory, says the Spirit of the Lord. And I have come this day to declare that you are victorious and more than a conqueror in me, says God. Somebody praise them all over this room. Stand with me this morning. I know this is a different, but there's a blessing in the scars. In one 18-month period of life, two years ago, I had major surgery on my right shoulder. 
an injury I sustained in football back in high school. I never got fixed. It got worse and worse. I knew it was getting worse, but I didn't know how bad. Went to Dr. Bruce. He said, I've never seen a man 38 years old with a shoulder as mangled and messed up as yours. Rotator cuff, labrum, tendons, everything. Totally had to redo my shoulder. I was in a sling, unable to use that arm the way I used to use it for eight months. And not long after that, I tore my Achilles tendon playing basketball. LeBron started talking trash. He said, Pastor, you know, we love you and everything, but you don't want to step on the court with us. And I said, let me help you understand something, LeBron. It ain't going to be like this. I'm fixing to show you how this old man can go. First play of the game. Get the ball in the post. I'm getting to turn, ready to turn around, put the ball on the court. One time, one dribble, I was about to take him to the house. The ball on the post, dribbled, turned around, planted my foot, snapped it. Everybody in the gym heard it. I walked in a boot for seven months. Was on one of those knee-wheelie things trying to preach for two months. Y'all remember, how many people loved us enough to come to the gymnasium for church? Y'all remember them services? I'm up there rolling up there. Everybody's like, calm down, Bishop, calm down. If I showed you my, my shoulder today and my Achilles tendon, you would see scars. Now, when you saw me up here hopping around and jumping and waving my hands a minute ago, some of you didn't know I had surgery because the pain's not there anymore. But the scars will always remind me of that season when I had to lean on him. That season I had to trust in him. You might feel real strong today and you might have even forgotten some of the stuff you've been through. But if you'll take a moment and look back over your life, there are some scars and there's a blessing in the scars. And I felt like God gave me this word today because some of us are coming out of a season of trial, a challenge. Some of us are coming out of some pain. In fact, some of you are coming out of some sickness and infirmity. Some of you have been through some sicknesses in 2019, stuff you've never dealt with before. And God sent me to tell you that in 2020, John 2020, he came to remind you through the revelation of the scars that God started something in Jesus. Hell looked like it stopped it. Demons threw a party and were going crazy. We killed him. Jesus is dead. But three days later, he arose. And the scars remind us that he who has begun a good work in us, hallelujah, will finish what he started. Today is the first Sunday of the year and the first Sunday of a decade. And I want to declare over you, this next decade is not going to be like this last one.
Now, you might not need that, and if you don't need it, that's okay. But some of you have been through some pain, some setback. I even just heard the Lord say somebody went through bankruptcy, and the devil's been sitting on your shoulder telling you you'll never come out of it. I want to tell you there are some scars in this room that can testify. You can even outlive and survive bankruptcy. I don't even know who that's for, but there's life after that. There's hope after whatever you're going through. I don't usually write prayers down. I usually just pray out of my belly and from my spirit. For the last couple of days, I've been working on a prayer of blessing to pray over you and your family. Because I want to see the manifest goodness of God in operation in all of our lives. Your best days are not behind you. I read that to you last Sunday, Ecclesiastes 17, 7 verse 10. Do not say that the best is already in the past. So I'm going to ask Chad to get the slides for the 2020 blessing ready. And today, the blessing that I want to pray over you might feel like it is in spite of the pain you just came out of or even that you're still going through. And the enemy may be whispering to somebody that you might as well give up and you might as well stop believing because there's no hope for you. But there's a blessing in the scars of Jesus. And they remind us at the beginning of this year, 2020, John 2020, don't forget it all year long. He came to remind you, if God raised him from the dead, he's going to raise you out of whatever you're going through in this place that you're in. 2020 is going to be a different year for you. And Jesus dropped by today to remind you of the scars. In fact, not only did Jesus come by, but there's some brothers and sisters in here that can testify one more time. I got some of my own scars. How many got a scar in your life? You, 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 can, you can point some people in this room that might be wondering, will God really do it for me? I want you looking around at the hands that were raised. I got a scar. I'm still alive. I got some scars. This theology that people propagate that teaches us we don't ever go through tests and trials and challenges and bad days and that everything springs up tulips and peanut butter and jelly is for the birds. And it's produced confusion in the body of Christ. Because the first bad day we have, we think, why is God picking on us? When it has nothing to do with God picking on you. It's the vicissitudes of life. It's the attack of the enemy. It's the, it's the swell of, of hell being nervous about your very existence. Stop blaming God for everything. Run to him. He's the one that will show you the scars. Chad, I want you to get this prayer ready. I want you to get with your family. And I know this may take a minute. I, I want dads, if you're with your family, where's my iPad at? I, 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 if you're young people and you're not with your family, I want you to go be, be with your family right now. Because I really felt like this was to be a family blessing. Thank you, Jesus. How many sense his presence in this room right now? Can we just lift our hands to God and give him thanks for the promise of victory? Come on. Can we just thank him before we pray for the promise of victory? God, I'm asking you 
to come in this room and seal the blessing we're getting ready to rece receive and release. I am praying that this prayer that we pray will be heard in heaven and recorded on this day. And that will bring peace and blessing and breakthrough as we begin to pray it. Okay, where's Jeremiah, Zion, and Judah? They're working in the nursery. Oh, God. Jeremiah, wherever you are, if you can hear me, come. I want all my family here. I want to bless. I'm serious about this. I want dads to get around their family. If your father's here, if you're, if you're here by yourself and you don't feel like you have any family, I want you to come in the altar right now with me and Devin. We're going to cover you in prayer. But I want every father, every husband to get with your family right now. Hallelujah. Come on. That's right. Come on, y'all. Y'all got all stoic on me. Everybody got weird. It's, it's about to be a blessing released. How many believe that when we release and speak blessings, something's going to shift in our very year? Come here, mama. Justin, get up here. I want everybody in this family that's here by themselves. Don't feel like they got anybody. I want you to get up in this altar with me and Devin right now. We're going to bless every one of you because you're part of our family. I said you're part of the family. Oh, God, I thank you. Some of you have never even been blessed. Your life feels like it's been covered up with curses. People speaking things over you. Shaping your life and your future in a way that feels hopeless. So before I pray this blessing, I, I break and cancel every negative thing spoken over you and your house. I break and cancel every curse, every hex, anything declared over you that you gave authority by even thinking about believing it. I break it in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. And I declare that what God is getting ready to declare over you is greater than what the enemy has declared over your life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and today I'm going to declare life, and I'm going to speak blessing over every one of you. So, Chad, I want you to put this on the screen. You just close your eyes and you lift your hands and receive this. Dads, I want you to cover your family, and I want you just to agree, at agreement as I pray this over your house. Father, we ask and believe that every person in the redemption to the nation's church family will experience the blessing of the Lord in the area of relationships this year. Beginning in each family, we ask that you would bless and strengthen every marriage, that you will bless the fruit of our womb. May your blessing be upon our children. May your blessing rest upon our grandchildren. Father, we pray for your blessing upon our friendships, both in this church and in the marketplace. And we decree and declare that in 2020, every dead, unneeded, unhealthy, unnecessary relationship will be removed so that we run with those who are a part of our purpose and our God-given destiny. And we call in every relationship that is necessary for your purpose to be fulfilled in our lives. 
And I declare and decree that this is a year of relational alignment. Somebody receive this. In Jesus' name, no more drama, no more relationship foolishness. We decree and declare in 2020 we will be blessed, encouraged, and strengthened in all of our relationships. And Father, we ask and believe that in 2020 the blessing of the Lord come upon the finances of every, somebody needs to receive this, of every family that has a kingdom first priority. In Jesus' name, I decree and declare that 2020 will be the greatest financial year that our families have ever experienced. We break the mindset and the mentality of poverty and lack off of all of your people. And we agree with Deuteronomy 18.8 that you, O oh God, are the one who gives the power for us to gain wealth. Bless every businessman and woman and the businesses that you have given them. And we ask that you bless every hardworking man and woman and may they advance in their company and experience your favor in this life. And Father, we pray you'll give them raises, bonuses, hourly increases. Somebody catch it here. Stocks and shares, inheritances, houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, land they could not afford. Cancel our debts. Help us to boost our credit score. Give us greater wisdom in our investing, saving, and spending so that 2020 is the year I feel the Lord on me while I pray right now. It is the year of unprecedented favor and blessing in the area of finances. And Father, I pray now and believe that we will have the healthiest year ever in 2020. Bless our physical bodies with strength and well-being. Let no plague, no pestilence, no disease, no cancer, no calamity, no malady, no malfunction, no infirmity, and every spirit of depression. Don't let any of it come upon your people. We ask that you make us whole and help us to live healthier lives so that we operate in your strength and vitality in 2020 in Jesus' name. And Father, in 2020, we pray, come on, get an agreement with me. Right now, we pray for increase upon this house. We decree and declare your goodness and favor up are upon redemption to the nation's church. Oh, I feel your hand on us now, God. We decree and declare in 2020, we will see more souls saved than in any year we've ever had. We believe more families will be added to this house this year as you send your favor upon us. Father, may there be more miracles and greater testimonies in 2020 than we've ever seen. Come on, lift your voice and give him thanks for it. May it be a year of financial increase and favor upon our church. I call in, somebody get an agreement with me. I call in financial blessing and favor from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bless us to break tithe records and may our outreach to the broken and the hurting be increased in this year. May we feed more hungry, rescue more girls caught in human trafficking, give away more food throughout the year and more joy and gifts during Christmas share. I pray, God, you're in, you'll increase the sphere of influence of this house. Give us new methods of sharing the gospel. May there be an expansion in our social media, television, radio, and door-to-door -door evangelism in 2020. Tear down walls, open doors. Give us greater opportunities to spread the gospel of the kingdom and to demonstrate the culture of the kingdom to our region and our world. And finally, Father, I ask in 2020, you show us your glory in greater dimensions. Give greater revelation. Increase our wisdom. Clarify our purpose. 
Sanctify our hearts. Purify our thinking. Father, blow our minds. I'm going to say that one again. Father, blow our minds. Take the lid off of our lives. Jesus, draw us closer to your heart and let us live for your glory and honor. God, we believe that in this year our people will be the head and not the tail. I declare and decree over you, you will be above and never beneath. You will be blessed in the city. You will be blessed in the field. You will be blessed when you come and you will be blessed when you go out. I believe and decree and declare you are, the, you are blessing them, Father, and making them a blessing. In 2020, they will have double joy, double peace, double financial resources, increase their influence. All of this we pray and believe, decreeing and declaring that it shall be done, not by our might, not by our power, but by your Spirit, in the name of the Son of the living God, who is Jesus the Christ, and the family said, Amen. I wish you would praise him and bless him. I bless my family in Jesus' name. Come on, release a blessing over people in your row right there in your zip code. Just turn around and tell four or five people you are blessed. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Love you. How many glad you came to church today? It's going to be the best year. I'm believing for the greatest year of your life. Listen, this coming Wednesday, don't miss it at 7 o'clock. It's signs and wonders. We're going to pray and keep contending for your needs to be met, miracles to happen. I want you to go. You want me? Come on, let's go. You're just kidding. Okay, well, sorry. Listen, I love you. I bless you and release you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Go in the peace of the Lord. Oh, I don't want to rush that. I love you. Be blessed. I'll see you Wednesday night in the house of the Lord. Go in the peace of God. Have a great Sunday and love your family.